official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. Well, today we wrap up our series. We've been looking at the Sermon on the Mount for 14 weeks. And the Sermon on the Mount is Jesus, it's his kingdom manifesto. And when we read this sermon, we discover how revolutionary it is. We find out that his kingdom is not just an upside down kingdom, but it's an in-breaking kingdom. If you were here last week, I showed you an illustration. So this, this left arm of mine, if I hold it up and bend it, I have my elbow going all the way to the tip of my finger. And typically what we think is, is Christians is that when we're born, that's my elbow, the tip of my finger is when we die. We believe that the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven starts when we die. So if I raise up my right arm and I connect these two fingertips, that's, that's how we envision the kingdom. But Jesus tells us that the kingdom is inbreaking. And so the kingdom actually looks like this, with the arms overlapping each other, right? And this point of the finger is this is where we made Jesus our king. And we enter into his kingdom. And our eternal life, right, happens here. And so the kingdom isn't something that we have to wait for until we die, it's available to us right now. And so in his closing statements, when we come to the Sermon on the Mount and we read Jesus' closing statements, it's the wrap-up of his sermon, what we find is an invitation. And the invitation that Jesus gives is much bigger than an invitation to live an ethical life. It's an invitation to embrace who Jesus is, to make him our king, Right? And in this closing invitation, the very last part of his Sermon on the Mount, he uses a parable. And it's a parable about builders that are building a home. And he says there are two builders there's a wise builder and a foolish builder. The wise builder builds his house on a solid foundation, and the foolish builder builds his house on sand. And so he essentially ends this sermon. He leaves his listeners on the mountainside with a question. And the question is this, what kind of builder will you be? That's how he wraps up his sermon. So let's dive into the passage and take a look at at, uh, the closing statements of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, yet it didn't fall, because its foundations are on the rock. But everyone who hears these words of mine and does not put them into practice is like a foolish man who built his house on sand. The rain came down, the streams rose, the winds blew and beat against that house, And it fell with a great crash. And so Jesus sets up this parable with the contrast between a wise builder and a foolish builder. Now, if Jesus were here this morning with us, and he asked you the question, 
what kind of life, what kind of house do you want to build? Do you want to build something that withstands and that lasts, or do you want to build something that crashes? I think the choice would be a simple one for us, right? Most of us in this room would say, yeah, we, we want to be like the wise builder. We, we want to build something that lasts, that stands. And so Jesus, although he makes this really simple for us, he doesn't make it easy for us, right? I shared this a little bit last week, that although Jesus simplifies things for us, it doesn't necessarily mean it's easy, right? And so he gives us an easy, simple choice. Do you want to build your life on something that's solid, or do you want to build a life on something that will collapse? Simple choice. But it doesn't mean it's easy. So what I want to do this morning is I want to take a little bit of a deeper dive into these words of Jesus and ask this question. How do we build that kind of life? How do we build it? We can answer the question Jesus asked us, what kind of life? We can answer that easy, simple. But how do we do it? How do we put Jesus' words into practice? Because it's easier said than done. And I'm making an assumption this morning, a pretty big assumption. And the assumption I'm making is that most of you are like me. That you're still learning how to build a life on Jesus and his teachings. Yes? Yes? Yes. It's a safe assumption. You're still learning how to build your life on Jesus and his teachings. Um, I'm I'm what's known as an unskilled laborer. (laughs) 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 I am not an expert builder. I'm not what you would consider handy. Until I discovered YouTube tutorials, I didn't even know what a crescent wrench was. (laughs) Right, So I'm not handy, I can't build things, I can't fix things well. And for me, whenever I try to build or fix something, I get frustrated. I do, I get frustrated. Because I really don't know what I'm doing. See, when we're trying to build a life on Jesus and his teachings, a lot of times we get frustrated because we don't know what we're doing. How do we do it? On a good Sunday... When we come to church, church is kind of like a YouTube tutorial (laughs) to learn what a crescent wrench is, right? But most of the time, you and I as followers of Jesus, we feel very inept at following him, right? We we know of Jesus, we know of his teachings, and yes, I want to follow Jesus, I want to build my life on Jesus and on his teachings, but oftentimes we feel inept. And we come to church and we look around and we say, wow, everyone else seems to have this down. It's just me, I guess. Everyone else looks perfect. I guess it's just me who, maybe, this, maybe I'm not cut out for this Jesus thing because everyone else is smiling and they're singing and they look like they're doing it right. I, I'm doing it wrong because I, I, I'm, I'm not, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't even know what a crescent wrench is yet. And so we convince ourselves that we're never going to be able to build our life on Jesus and his teachings. But I have to tell you that that's a completely false narrative. It's false narrative because building something like a life on the rock, building a life on Jesus and his teachings takes time. When I was a teenager in my early teens, I had some friends and their, their, their folks were building a house. 
from, from scratch, and they were just doing it themselves. They weren't hiring out labor. They were going to do it themselves. And they invited some friends to come and help them, but it was like a two-year process, really long. And sometimes on the weekends, or maybe during the week after dinner, my dad would bring me and my brother over to the site, and we would help them work on this house. And I just remember being overwhelmed at how much there was to do. Anybody ever build a house before? Tim, Matt, Matt, <laughs> Tom. A few of you guys have built homes, so you know this, but the rest of us are clueless. I remember showing up to the housing site, and there was just so much chaos. They had to wait for stuff to get delivered, and sometimes it didn't get delivered on time. There were all kinds of setbacks. There were cost overruns. There were delays, right? There were times when they made mistakes with something, and they had to tear it all apart, and I just remember being overwhelmed, like, this is so intense. I thought you just, like, put up walls, you know, you got a roof on it, and you move in. No, 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 no. It was super intense. See, trying to build a life on Jesus and his teachings is a lot like my friends trying to build that house. It takes a lot of consistent effort over time, doesn't it? And we have to learn how to do it, Right? And so this morning, I've got what, 15, 20 minutes left? Let's say 20. Can you give me 20? Yeah. I got 20 minutes left. So at, very, at, the very most, <laughs> at the very most, this 20 minutes is just like watching a YouTube video tutorial on building, right? We're not going to become expert builders from hearing a 30-minute sermon. But what we can do over the next 20 minutes is let's go to the tutorial in Scripture and see if we can increase our building knowledge, how do we build a life on Jesus in his teachings? Okay, I've got a slide for you. And this is a blueprint, building blueprint, that comes to us courtesy of the late theologian Dallas Willard. Anyone here ever heard of Dallas Willard before? Fantastic theologian. And Dallas was investigating what the scriptures had to say <clears throat> about building a life on Jesus and his teachings. And what he discovered was this. In order to build a life on Jesus and his teachings, we need more than just desire and willpower. How many of you guys have, have tried to will your way into being a disciple of Jesus? You just, I'm just going to try harder. I'm just going to buckle down. Right? And so... He argued that there are three things that we have to consistently engage. And so he made a triangle. And he argued that none of these three things on their own will get the job done. That we have to consistently engage all three. Of course, in the center of the triangle is what? That's always the right answer. <laughs> Jesus is always the right answer. He's in the center, right? But let's investigate these three points and look at how they'll help us. Let's start with the bottom left corner. And what's that say? Oh, can we get that, can we get that slide back up? Oh, hold on, folks. Yeah. How's that? We good? What's the bottom left corner? 
Yeah. Let me ask you this question. How do our everyday moments, our situations, our circumstances, our trials, our challenges, how do they help us build a life on Jesus and his teachings? Yeah, <laughs> that's true. Romans 12, verse 1. Message translation. So here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life. I love that. And place it before God as an offering. See, here's the thing. When we start seeing our everyday moments as opportunities for God to show his faithfulness, for God to show us his inbreaking kingdom, then we start building differently. Our, we start viewing our circumstances differently. Even our trials and tribulations take on new meaning. A few weeks ago, my wife and I discovered that we were underpaying our health insurance premiums. You know, the dreaded phone call. (laughs) And we found out that pretty soon, those premiums are going to triple for us. And so I would call that a trial. (laughs) Right? Because it's a tribulation. I started thinking, wait a second. Uh, um, this is going to put a real strain on our family finances. And so there's a little bit of panic set in and some conversation. Whoa, what are we going to do? But ultimately, let me, let me show you where I went. Because ultimately, if, if our trials and our challenges and our everyday moments of life help us to build a life on Jesus and his teachings, then we have to connect those dots. And so here's what ultimately happened a short time after realizing this. Number one... I had a new level of compassion for people who can't afford health care insurance. A compassion that I maybe even didn't have before because I'd never felt that pain before. So let me ask you this question. Having a new sense of compassion for people who can't afford health insurance, do you think that helps me build a life on Jesus and his teachings? Yeah. Sure it does. Here's what else happened. I started to realize that this was an opportunity for us, my wife and I and our family, to depend on God for provision. Do you think that helps us build a life on Jesus and his teachings? Sure it does. And then lastly, it made me look ahead to the day when there'll be no more suffering, no more pain, no more sorrow, no more death. No more sickness. No more health care insurance premiums. <laughs> Do you think that helped me build my life on Jesus and his teachings? See, when we become kingdom citizens, God even uses our trials. Right? James chapter 1, verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. See, here's the thing. 
Once we realize that we're part of an unshakable kingdom, we can embrace whatever comes our way, even trials, right? They shape us, they form us. Everyday moments take on new meaning because we're building something eternal with them. Now, in order for us to gain that perspective, we need to adopt certain practices in our lives. Practices that position us to be more aware of God's presence. Practices that position us to be more aware of his unbreaking kingdom. Practices that position us to be more aware of, of his work in our lives. Which takes us to the bottom right-hand corner of the triangle. And what does that say? Soul training exercises or spiritual practices. Some, some folks would, would call those spiritual disciplines. Right? And so the question we have to ask was, how does training and practice help us build a life around Jesus and his teachings? Well, training and practice do this for us. Whenever we practice anything, whenever we train in anything, it enables us to do what we can't do by effort alone. Does that make sense? When we're practicing something, we're training in something, it enables us to do what we can't do by effort alone. See, effort and willpower aren't enough to build a life on Jesus and and his teachings. They're not. Which is why following Jesus can feel so frustrating and deflating at times. Have you guys ever gotten frustrated in your faith? You're trying to follow the way of Jesus. You're trying to build a life on Jesus and his teachings, and you keep trying harder and harder, and you just don't get anywhere. Let, let me share something I've, I've learned over the years. Following Jesus is more about training than it is trying. Let me, let me illustrate what I mean by this. In May, May 26th, anybody know what happens on May 26th? The Burlington City Marathon, right? The Burlington City Marathon happens on May 26th. We have to cancel our service in the morning because the marathon is down here, so we move it to the afternoon. So let's suppose this year, what if, what if we just had a church event and we said, hey, we're all going to run the Burlington City Marathon together. <laughs> we're all going to run it together, and, and, and we're not going to do any training for it. We're just going to show up, and we're going to try our hardest. How long is a marathon? 26.2 miles. Now, I know of a few people in this room that could, that could show up to that marathon and run it and finish it. But I'll say this. Most of us would not be able to finish that marathon. Right? Because you can't try your way to a marathon finish. You have to train your way to a marathon finish. Right? There's muscles you have to build up. You have to build up your endurance. You have to learn, you have to teach your lungs how to expand, right? To to be able to have enough air to run 26.2 miles. Let me give you another example. Let's say we're going to start a band, an orchestra. We're going to have an orchestra on Easter (laughs) next week. You're all going to play. We're going to have French horns, pianos, flutes, piccolos, the whole thing. But we're not going to practice you're all just going to show up next week, and I'm going to hand you an instrument, and you walk in the door. We're just going to play this beautiful ensemble. You just got to try. Try really hard. What do you think that will sound like? Why? 
Because learning how to play an instrument takes tons of practice, doesn't it? What if, what if I said, hey, we're all going to learn Spanish together. And we're not going to take any Spanish lessons. or, or <laughs> We're just going to try really hard. We're all right now, we're going to close our eyes and grit our teeth and try to speak fluently in Spanish. How do you think that would go over? <laughs> not so well, because learning Spanish requires consistent effort over a long period of time. So why would we expect following Jesus to be any different? Right? We think, oh man, you got to train for a marathon. Oh no, you got to practice piano to be good. No, you, if you're going to speak Spanish, you got to take lessons. You got to learn. It takes a long time. And yet we think that following Jesus is just going to be this simple thing. The spirit falls on us. Boom, we're following Jesus. No problem. Right? No. That's what training and practice does. See, training is different than trying. It's more focused. It's more fruitful. And I'll say this, it's less frustrating. See, when, when building my life around Jesus and his teachings gets frustrating for me, it's usually because I'm trying and not training. It's usually because I'm gritting my teeth and I'm trying harder and harder and harder. And I'm not training and doing these spiritual practices, these spiritual disciplines. Philippians 4, verse 8. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you've learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into what? Practice. And the God of peace will be with you. See, spiritual practices and soul training exercises, they position us to focus our mind and hearts on God. They position us to be more aware of his presence, more aware of his inbreaking kingdom. Now, I can't teach you any of them today. That's a different YouTube tutorial. (laughs) But they include things like solitude, silence, prayer, fellowship, confession, scripture reading, meditation, uh, gratitude, generosity, fasting. Those are just a, a few of them. Um, the list is much more expansive than that. But we want to we move to the third corner of the triangle because how am I doing? I got like three minutes left, four minutes left. The third corner of the triangle is, what does it say? The work of the Holy Spirit. See, if we do the bottom two, And let's say, for instance, for for our circumstances and our trials, we see God in breaking into our lives. We see God giving us opportunity for him to show his faithfulness and for him to to, uh, show us who he is. And we have training exercises and spiritual practices and disciplines, and we're doing both of these things. We still won't get the job done because we'll never be able to build a life on Jesus and his teachings apart from the work of the Holy Spirit. According to Scripture, not only does the Holy Spirit reveal to us who Jesus is, the Holy Spirit enables and empowers us to do what Jesus did. Right? Now, some church traditions, some church traditions minimize the work of the Holy Spirit and focus on the training. 
Yes? Some traditions will say, oh, you just need to pray more. You need to read your Bible more. You need to come to church every week. And they just primarily focus on those um, and, and minimize the work of the Holy Spirit. Other traditions, other traditions minimize the training and rely on the Holy Spirit to do everything for them. Right? Yes? No? You guys aware of these church traditions? Okay. Here's the thing, though. It's not an either-or proposition. It's a both-and. See, someone can't learn Spanish for you. But if you have a Spanish teacher, it's really helpful, isn't it? Jesus said this in John 14. The Holy Spirit would teach his disciples and remind them of everything Jesus taught. And so according to Jesus, the Holy Spirit is our teacher, our advocate, our comforter, our counselor, our guide. We simply can't build a life on Jesus and his teachings apart from the work of the Holy Spirit, which means this. We have to pay attention to what the Spirit's doing. We have to, as Galatians 5 tells us, cultivate the fruit of the Spirit in our lives, right? And we have to learn how to exercise the gifts of the Spirit that he gives each one of us. And that's an awful lot to process, right? As I said, we're not going to be expert builders in one sermon, are we? We're just looking at this building blueprint, figuring out how do we start to build a life on Jesus and his teachings? Where do we begin? Um, Let me close with with this. Let's go back to Jesus' final words of his Sermon on the Mount. Let me just read them one more time. Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and does what? Puts them into practice. Is like a wise man who built his house on the rock. So here's the question I'm going to leave you with. We're going to wrap up our Sermon on the Mount series with this question. Are you ready to take the words of Jesus that you've heard over the last 14 Sundays as we've been looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount? Are you ready to take his words and to practice them? And to practice them. Now, what that means is that we have to engage consistently all three points of those triangles of the triangle, right? We have to look at our ordinary moments and life circumstances and challenges and tribulations and situations. We have to look at those as opportunities for God to show his faithfulness, right? For God to show us his inbreaking kingdom. And that's not enough. We We also have to engage these soul training exercises, these spiritual practices, which hopefully as a church we're going to learn more about. How do we practice these things? Fasting and and prayer, and solitude, and confession. How do we do those? But that's not enough either, because we also have to be asking the Holy Spirit to work in our lives, right? To to teach us, and remind us of everything Jesus taught. And if we're consistently engaging all three of those things, then we're allowing God to form us, and we're building. It allows us, it positions us to build our house on Jesus and his teachings, build our life on Jesus and his teachings. And so what I'm going to encourage us to do is to practice together. We could go practice on our own, but um, how many of you guys learn better when you're doing a workshop with a group of people? I do. 
Because somebody, you might be doing it wrong, right? And somebody just does it a little bit differently, and you're like, oh, oh, yeah, I see that. So let's practice together. Let's encourage each other when we get frustrated. Let's share with one another how God is using our ordinary moments and trials to reveal his goodness and his faithfulness. And let's ask the Holy Spirit to teach us and remind us of what Jesus taught us in the Sermon on the Mount. So can I close us with a prayer? Let me pray for us. Lord, we're mindful as we wrap up these 14 weeks looking at Jesus' Sermon on the Mount that we've barely even scratched the surface of the depth and the width and the height of what Jesus was preaching and communicating. But God, we ask that the Holy Spirit would help us to remember Jesus' words. And not just to hear them, but to be like a wise builder and put them into practice. Lord, we're mindful that we can't do it without the work of the Holy Spirit. So Lord, we ask that you would help position us to be more aware of your inbreaking kingdom, to be more aware of your presence, to be more aware of the Spirit's work in our lives. God, I pray for, for those of us here in the room who just might be feeling defeated in their faith. They've been trying to, to follow Jesus, and they've been trying to build a life on Jesus and his teachings, but they've just experienced failure after failure, and they're wondering if they're even cut out for this Jesus thing. God, I pray you would rip that false narrative out of their heart and their mind, and that you would replace it with a true narrative. That you are doing the building. You are doing the work. And you don't give up so easily as we do. So Lord, I thank you for your grace. I pray you would dispense it on all of us this morning. And as we worship God, and as we just um, uh, dedicate ourselves fresh to you this morning, we ask that, that you would begin to show us and teach us and give us, the, give us the endurance that we need to build strong. To not build on sand, but to build on the rock, who's Jesus. Lord, we're, we're totally dependent on you. So help us in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't we stand together? We'll sing one closing song, and then Abby will come up and give us a benediction. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, service, creativity, and community. 